Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hi, this is Anka Corbin with the Globig Podcast, and my guest expert today is Bill Armstrong. He's the president of Gava Talent Solution, which is part of the Global Upside Company of Solutions, and they are in over 100 countries. Uh, Gava Talent Solutions is a global leader in professional staffing and consulting services, and our topic today is tips for recruiting and hiring international employees. I know it's a hot one, so welcome, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. So let's jump right in. I think a lot of companies, that's kind of the first thing they do, right? They think about, all right, I need someone in this country. Oftentimes it's sales, sometimes it's tech, maybe customer support. So what should a company do before they get ready to recruit candidates? What's some prep work that they they should really prepare for? Well, I, I think the first thing they should do if they are looking to you know hire somebody internationally is first off, just like you would do in any um, situation, is make sure you've got a good job description and make sure that that job description is something that's going to be doable uh, from a remote, remote location, um, if it is a remote location, and you also want to make sure that you've thought through how you're going to manage that role, and that that the expectations are clear uh, from the employee side as well as um, you know from from your side as a manager um, that you've taken into account. If there are things like time differences, which sometimes you can have you know massive time differences. And what if the employee is in the middle of their day uh, and their manager's in a different location or, you know, a, a nine or 10 hour time difference and they have questions, how can they get that information? So you really need to think through all of those sorts of things, um, you know, before you go ahead and get somebody on board. Yeah, that's really important. I find that a lot of times people kind of feel like they're left on their own, right? They didn't really have that process fully figured out and it makes for a really challenging work situation for that new person. Right. No, absolutely. Because uh, I, I think you run into that risk sometimes anywhere if somebody is working um, remote um, or if they're you know away from the home office, so to speak. Uh, but if that person can pick up the phone and have a quick you know 10-minute phone conversation with somebody and get the answers they need, um, then that is a pretty strong mitigating factor. But you really have to think through if that person has those questions and it's 3 a.m. in the morning where you are, how are you going to handle that? Right. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some characteristics that you might want to consider when looking for someone that's probably going to be remote. Like there's probably people that are going to be a better fit for that role than others in addition to the skills that you're looking for right? Like what makes for that good remote relationship? Yeah, I think the um, the skills part is probably actually the, the easiest part in a situation like that. Mm. Um, because you can, you know, take a look at a at someone's uh, resume or CV and, you know, have a conversation with them and um, get into some behavioral interview questions. And you can pretty quickly assess, uh, get some good idea where they are in the skill level. But I think the uh, the things that are really important as to whether or not this is going to be a good long-term fit is one, is is the, the cultural fit still there? 
because the, the, the culture of your company is going to come through in, in everything that you do. Um, and so you, wherever that person is sitting, uh, they, they do still need to, to, to fit in to, to that company culture. And then if you're talking about a remote employee, it takes that extra level of uh, professional maturity uh, for somebody uh, to come in and do a good job, you know, if they are working um, remotely and some of those other things that we, ju that we just talked about um, and really taking a look at, you know, where are they um, in their career? Have they ever done this sort of thing before? Uh, what sort of environment were they, or would they be coming out of right now? And is this somebody that could handle that remote uh, relationship? And then I, I think when you talk about the culture, you do – the, the person has to fit in with sort of your, the, the core values that, that your company has. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to understand that the location that they're in, um, you know, there could be some cultural differences there as well. So but even – so it may not be, you know, exactly the same in terms of how, you know, communication styles and things like that, but that those core values, those should still be the same. One of the things that I've learned in remote work, and let me know what you think of this as well, is really just over-communicating and having really, really good written and verbal and kind of organizational communication skills. Right. Right, absolutely. Um, could not agree more. I, I think in a, a situation like that, the more communication, the better. Absolutely. So when you're looking at local or, you know, hiring someone in a new area, what are some of the expectations that are somewhat unique that you've seen for employees to have that we might just not be, you know, fully aware of or on top of mind and it's really easy to kind of miss as, a, as an employer? I think sometimes engaging um, the, the candidate can be different. Um, that, uh, you know, for us, um, you know, it's not uncommon. You can grab somebody on their, you know, cell phone at work or maybe even in the, the middle of the afternoon, they'll walk down the hall on their cell phone and, you know, give you a call and you can, you know, talk to them about a prospective job or something along those lines. And in some of the other cultures, it it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, the people w won't be willing necessarily to do any of those things during their workday. So you might have to get them early in the morning or, or late at night, their local time. And then also, uh, they it, it can be harder sometimes to um, to engage the candidate. Like they want to know that you're serious. Um, they may want to take a look at a job description. They may want to see a website. Um, you know, all of these types of things, even for, you know, what we would consider to be, um, you know, staff level or more, um, you know, entry level type roles um, before they're even willing to engage in a conversation with you um, that, you know, they really want to make sure that you're serious about it um, and that they really want to make sure that this is something they could have a, you know, a possible interest in um, before you even get to that first conversation. Um, and so I think that that's one of the things you have to take into account depending on, you know, the market that you're going into um, is what are you going to have to do um, to engage the candidate? And it might not be exactly, you know, the same as how you would engage a candidate, um, you know, in the United States, for example. 
Right. So even the early recruiting piece of this, before you even have an opportunity to negotiate or talk to them, you have some pretty high bars that you have to set, right? You have to look professional, have everything completely buttoned up um, before they're, you know, it's almost like the, the, the bar for dating is much higher, right? That is certainly something in some locations that we've seen, yes, that um, that people just don't take it seriously um, if you don't already, you know, have all of these things in place. How hard is that to to do as a company, right? How do you share your reputation or, you know, make the kind of the culture and all those things in advance? Because, you know, you had mentioned that they may not be willing to take your call until you've kind of proven like these checkboxes are somewhat um, checked off, right? Are you going to stay there for a while? Do you have you are do you have a great reputation around how you work with people? Like, what? How do you do that as a company really well? You know, I, I think one of the things that the candidates will always go to, and they will hear too, but it might be a little bit, um, you know, more important in these cases that they're going to look at your website. If you've got a careers page, they're going to look at the careers page. Um, if you're selling a product. They're going to want to be able to see what that that product is, um, and so that that is the certainly one way to you know to make a good um, first impression. Um, so if they go uh, to your career page and it's outdated, or the job you know you do have jobs posted on there, but it's not one of the jobs that you're talking to them about. It's not on there, you know, little things like that. Um, you know, you might not think twice about it over here can sometimes be sticking points and just more things you have to overcome um, with some of the cultural differences. Interesting. I think that's really good to know. So again, just remembering you have to be, you know, the expectations are just a lot, a lot higher. Do you think that they're a little bit at a disadvantage, especially as a foreign company to have to prove themselves because they just haven't really been in that market that much? You know, I, I think I, I would not necessarily say it at a disadvantage um, because I the the same, you know, may well be true or I think the same is true if they're looking to move from one company to another within their own their own country. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that you're you're at a disadvantage, but I, I would say that you just have to to take into to account that in in, in many cases, um, you know, it. I don't want to use the word formal necessarily, but you might have to, it's a little bit more maybe of a formal presentation um, than, uh, than you might need sometimes in the United States. Interesting. What are some of the things, so when you are wooing a candidate, that are, you have to really consider, I mean, obviously you have to be compliant and, you know, pay, we all know is kind of one of those things that they're going to be looking at, but what do you think are some of the other things that, that potential employees are, are concerned about that may be a little bit different than here? That I, I think um, they want to make sure that you understand how things work where they are. Mm -hmm. And so you mention compensation and say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, right, everybody's going to ask about pay. But sometimes there can be um, – you know, you can't assume 
that the, what you're paying somebody here would be the proper salary for paying somebody in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you need to make sure that you've done a little bit of research to make sure, you know, first off that your pay um, is within, you know, the proper range for that market. You, you never want to assume that. And then the client uh, or the candidate is also going to make sure, wants to make sure that you understand the local labor laws and, you know, it, the employment contract, which in most places in the world, it's not employment at will. The the, the employee will sign a contract. Um, so, for example, if it's in Japan, they're going to have to sign a, you know, a, 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 it's going to be a, a Japanese um, employment agreement um, or employment contract. You know, you're not going to be able to do that on U.S. paper. And so the candidate wants to make sure that you understand that. Um, there can be some differences in how benefits work. Um, and who pays for the benefits, um, you know, what happens to the benefits if there's, you know, a separation of employment, um, there can be, uh, some differences in how, you know, bonuses and things like that might, um, potentially work Mm -hmm. holidays, you know, how, how do, how do things work, um, you know, in terms of paid holidays and then around some of, you know, our major holidays, um, (laughs) you know, like for example, I was, working with a, a couple of, uh, of, uh, uh, on a couple of deals, um, right around our Christmas holiday. And then all of a sudden, you know, for basically that two weeks, everybody in Europe, I mean, the thing just shut down mm-hmm. and, you know, we're over here working on the phones on the, you know, the 26th, um, emailing and calling. And then why aren't, why aren't people calling us back? And then meanwhile, you know, you start getting all the phone calls back January 2nd, and it's, you know, because no, nobody is working, right. more or less. Right. And so, you know, just understanding things like that. I mean, the candidate wants to make sure you understand what it's like there and not that you're trying to take whatever the way things are where you are and, like, put them in place where they are. But, but, but you understand the local lay of the land. And I think a lot of companies, unfortunately, try to do that, right? They try to say, well, this is how we do business. And they think that the rest of the world has to adjust to that when, in fact, especially in hot markets, but most markets that are outside of (laughs) ours, they aren't going to be different and they are not necessarily going to be influenced by, you know, our desires to try to make them similar to us. (laughs) Right. No, it's it's very true. And I think in in most cases that has the opposite effect. It, It just... You know, because the employee starts thinking down the road of what it's going to be like to work in that type of situation. Um, And, uh, you know, it just gets things off to a really, um, you know, you just get off on a bad foot. Mm -hmm. So in especially hot markets, are there any additional marketing tips or things that you've got to do? Or is that pretty much the same even in you know, all the markets that we were just talking about, but is there anything unique and especially difficult, you know, kind of where there really are? So like I think about Singapore and the sales people and how challenging it is to find a salesperson and how really competitive you have to be and, and you, you just cannot make those mistakes because you just will not get anyone. Yeah, and I think, and you know, one of the things that it, it you know, whether it's, um you know, here, here being the United States or anywhere else, um, speed, you know, does come into play. Now, I know we talked earlier about you might have to do a little bit more to get them interested, but once somebody's interested, 
you know, it's just just like here that things will move quickly, and mm-hmm. um, and so the client really has to make sure that they're not, um, you know, uh, causing any delays on their side in the process. And and then I think that you also have to understand, um, uh, you know, what are are their um, you know, in these markets, you know, obviously the the hotter the market, sometimes the more costly it can be. You know, Tokyo, for example, is a very costly market right now, um, and it, it's an expensive place to you know to hire someone for you know multiple reasons, and and so you have to understand that um, you know and be 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 good with that um, and know know that going in, and then when you get it when you get a candidate, um, you know you have to keep the process moving. Right. Jump on it really quickly. So that's, again, you know, just being prepared and really having having some support. I, I think it's hard for someone sitting here, for example, let's say we're talking really in any market and trying to be out there recruiting in a foreign market. How do how do companies usually do that? You know, I imagine it can be done, but I imagine it's also really, really challenging. Yeah, and obviously I'm very biased on that front because I, I think they should talk to us when they want to do that. <laughs> sure. But I, I think if you're if you've got an office and and pick the place you're in you know Frankfurt Germany and you've got you know a hundred and people working in an office there, then you should be able to recruit yourself there you know pretty easily, mm-hmm. um, and you should have people in that office that can can do all of these things for you clearly. You know, you're already a registered entity over there, all of these things. Nobody knows the culture better than the people working there. And that should be something that your company should be able to do, um, you know, pretty easily on its own or as easily as hiring is, you know, which we know it's never easy. But if you are going to enter into a new market and you're going someplace that you haven't been before, um, then that's where I would strongly encourage somebody um to you, you need to engage with somebody um, that understands the how it works um, mm-hmm. in that local market, because there are just so many factors um, that come into play that if you try and do something like that on your own and you've never been there before, it, you, you don't want to kind of learn as you go in something like this and be you know halfway um, you know through a process with a candidate and then have some these unexpected things keep coming up um, and, and you, you're just going to have one surprise after another. And I think that's as, as a hiring manager, um, you know, I think that's the one thing you always want to avoid. And certainly, you know, as a candidate that's looking for a job, that's one thing you never want to have. You don't want to have surprises. Right. And if you try and get into these things and you've never been there and you don't understand the local law and you, you know, try and, you know, put some sort of an ad up in English on LinkedIn and, see what you get and then take it from there, that's going to be a very, you know, tough road to go down. And then not to mention, you have to consider what are you going to do if you hire the person? Uh, If you're not an employer of record there, you don't have a bank account, you aren't set up as a business entity, um, then clearly you can't put that person on your payroll. And so you have to understand how that works and, you know, what might be some options for you there as well. Absolutely. It'll slow you down. It'll crush your productivity, I would imagine. Um, let's do talk a little bit about some of those local regulations, everything from what you can do in the recruiting framework, everything, including maybe some 
data privacy compliance conversations to when you find one, you know, offer letters, background checks, things like that that are actually pretty challenging to navigate. Yeah, and I, I think I think a couple of the areas that um, that that people um, I find don't always consider. Uh, uh, at the beginning when they're doing this, they, they don't quite understand all the, the cost involved. Mm. Um, and they don't also sometimes don't always understand the, the time frame involved. And, you know, for example, over here, the norm would be if someone um, is going to leave a job uh, that they would give um, two weeks notice. Right. And pretty standard, right? So, if I want somebody to start May 1st and I have the offer out by April 15th, it should be good to go. They might even get a day or two off in there. Um, some of these employment contracts, um, you know, we were just working with one in Germany and the employee has a, uh, as part of their employment contract, you know, they're required to give 90 days notice. Right. And and, you know, some of these employment contracts, 60 or 90 days notice in some of these countries is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, oh, I make the offer, you know, April 15th and they start May 1. Well, you make the offer April 15th and maybe they start, you know, July 15. And and that can be, you know, that can be a, you know, a huge difference in terms of how, um you know, from what you maybe you have planned. So you need to understand, you know, how that works. Um, and then you also under need to understand, are there any country mandated um, social costs um, that go on top of the salary? And so sometimes these additional costs can be, you know, can be 20 or 30% of the, of the salary um, that the, the employer is responsible for in terms of, you know, what are called social costs. Can you explain what that is a little bit more? Like, what do what are the things that might go in there? Is that a tax, or are there? Um, I'm not sure that I know what a social cost is. You know, I, I think that the um, that the social cost would refer to um, a lot of things like um, uh, benefits uh, would be one mm. thing. I think they could certainly come in there. Um, and then there also could be, you know, some sorts of, uh, uh, you know, taxes and things along those lines um, that, that and it, it's, it's very different in each in each country. But mm-hmm. those things, um, you know, those things can certainly ratchet up in a hurry. Right. Right. So costs and those are all really regulatory things that you have to know. So it's whatever you're offering plus the benefits and Maybe they have some sort of work councils that they're paying for and all sorts of other taxes of sorts, right, on top of that. Yes, yes, exactly. Very interesting. What about background checks and things that we normally, again, or being even able to, um, when we're looking for candidates, being able to, you know, kind of do these automated behavioral analytics and and things like that. I know there's a lot of backlash in some countries around that. How, you know, again, you not knowing that is pretty dangerous, right? It, it is, and I think that the um the background checks have actually gotten a little bit um easier um to do. Um you know, over over time now and so you, it is 
um, you know, relatively easy to find a, uh, you know, if you go to one of the reputable background check companies, a lot of them now um, can provide background checks um, in various, uh, you know, parts of the world. Um, so I think being able to, to do a background check, now you might not be able to get all of the information necessarily that you might get here, um, but there is a lot of that that's out there now. Um, I think you just have to understand what, you know, just as in the United States, there are limitations um, in some states on what you can do um, that you just have to know. Um, and and your, your background check company should know this, but, you know, you, you want to make sure mm -hmm. that, that they're complying, you know, with whatever those local laws are. Right. And the same would go you know, for data privacy and any sort of data you're tracking and keeping and making sure you're transparent and opting in or at least. Yeah. And, and that we're coming up on the, you know, the GDPR uh, goes into effect um, in the UK on uh, May 1 of this year. Um, and so uh, th there are certainly some things around, you know, hiring that there's some, you know, private um uh, information that you're going to have on these candidates um, that would certainly fall under under that. Um, it, you know, I think it's obviously designed for you know data protection and security breaches and things like that. But you do you do need to understand that um, you know that you are that capturing that if you've got a, particularly if you already have a lot of employees over there and you've got a lot of this sensitive information. Um, that you do need to make sure you're compliant, you know, with those regulations as of May 1. Absolutely. And then you've got other ones on the EU mainland as well. So there's a lot going on right now. It's an exciting data privacy time. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, correct. What are you seeing in the industry in general? Any specific trends, you know, around um, talent acquisition or talent management, anything from... You know, we know remote is important. Um, you know, any other trends that you think are just something to pay attention to for our listeners? Um, you know, I, I think that you you touched on a big one there, which is you know remote um, employment, and I, I think that uh, you know a lot of our clients that are going um, into um, you know into Europe and. Uh, they might be going there because, um, or other markets as well. As you know, we have a lot going into Europe and a lot of, uh, into Asia as well. Um, and many times, these are the company's, um, you know, first employees in that market. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you think about, you know, 20 years ago, um, people n would not necessarily have um, even considered, um, you know, remote employment in a situation like that, or it would be much uh, more rare than it is today. Um, so I think that companies, I think, are much more comfortable uh, getting into remote arrangements because of all the, um, you know, the ability that, that people have, um, you know, to connect now. Um, so I, I, I certainly think that's a, a big one. And then I think that just <laughs> so many more things now are being done, um, you know, uh, online or electronically that, um, you know, via email and through social media and these types of things that, um, you know, I, 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 you know, you're just not seeing, um, uh, and I think a lot of the, um, you know, 
people entering into the workforce now, they don't even necessarily want to have uh, frequent um, phone conversations um, (laughs) necessarily with their manager. You know, they want the communication. So we were talking about earlier, 3 a.m., your time, they've got a question. They want the answer. Um, But it might not necessarily be that phone call. There's some other way of... uh, you know, you know, WhatsApp, there are so many ways to, to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, we're seeing that a lot of people entering into the workforce, both here and, you know, remotely, um, feel uh, more comfortable using some of those uh, uh, social media methods of communication than they do, you know, this like an old fashioned phone call. Absolutely. I think that's very, very true. Do you see any sort of influence yet from AI or any of the things that, you know, we are all reading about, but we, I haven't seen a whole lot of implementation of that yet, but are you guys seeing that yet or not so much? Not on a wide scale uh, basis. Um, You know, I do think that there are a lot of interview tools um, Mm -hmm. that are out there now um, that, 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 that are on the market that people are starting to use that would sort of fall into that bucket. And it's where it's in effect like a Skype interview, but there's nobody on the other side that it's all, um, you know, that it's all, um, you know, electronic. They'll ask the questions. And then as soon as the candidate stops, stops talking, then the next question is asked. Um, But it's all sort of pre-programmed in. It's not, there's no person on the other end. And so a lot of it is then matching up to the qualifications before it's even sent through to a hiring manager, right? Correct. And so I've gotten a, a lot of uh, feedback from candidates on that the, I think many times the candidate still feels very awkward in that situation. Yeah. Um, and if you think about how people traditionally interview and you want to build some rapport and, you know, not make it this real strict question and answer type session, but get into more of a conversation. Um, and then obviously in this, it's, it's not possible. You know, you ask a question, you have like 30 seconds to respond and the next question gets asked and then the screen go, in effect goes blank. And then this is sent off to the hiring manager and, you know, they can see you and assess how you've answered and then make some determinations from that. But it, um, that the, I, sometimes on the candidate side, it just feels very cold and you have absolutely no idea, you know, how you've done. Um, and while I get so, that's efficient, it's not necessarily the best first impression, right? Co- correct. Correct. So, we're, so again, I think we're still early in this. I, mm-hmm. I see these types of things um, are just going to, I believe, grow in um, – you know, in popularity. And I think as there, as people get into it more, you know, you'll, they'll try and find ways to make these things seem a little bit more, you know, warm and, and human. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to, to replicate that human touch and, you know, somebody is looking for a, you know, a joke, a sense of humor, or small talk or something like that to get a little, feel like they're getting to know the other person right. and you you know I that that's that's a tough <laughs> bar to get over with some of this some of this technology oh I understand so Bill is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't so that so that you want to make sure that our listeners um, learn about no I I, I don't think so I, I think um, 
you know, I think you've touched on all the main points there and, you know, just the, 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 you know, last, uh, you know, uh, bit of advice or that I would give would be that just, you know, make sure you're going into this situation, you know, with your eyes wide open. Um, there obviously we're in a, I believe a, a more of a worldwide, um, economy now, um, than we've ever been in. Um, and uh, a lot of opportunities for companies and, you know, emerging markets all over the world. And there's no reason that your company shouldn't be able to take advantage of these. But you just want to make sure before you get into it that you understand, um, you know, really how much it's going to cost. You know, if there are those social costs, what are they? How much is that going to tack on to the to the um, to the salary that you're paying? You want to make sure you're good with the time frame that you understand in whatever you know country you're in. You understand uh, in what the normal employment contracts are like, how much notice this candidate's going to have to give. And then conversely, um, if you get into a situation where somebody's not performing, you mm. want to understand the laws around that because it's not yes. in many countries where – um, you know, I can call you up on Thursday and say, hey, we're going to make Friday your last day, mm -hmm. um, that it doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, and depending on um, in some countries, you have to put people on probation periods. In many countries, it's tied directly back to how long the employee has worked there. So it's a certain number of days in your first year. And then if you've been there from, you know, one to five years, it's another number of days and over five years, another number of days, you know, you get this sort of scaled effect based on how long the employee's been there. And you just need to be aware of that, too, because, you know, every time you hire somebody, you always think um, that this is the one and we're not going to have any issues with this person. But we all know that um, that, that is not always the case. Mm -hmm. So not only do you want to understand what it takes to, to get into this arrangement, you also want to understand ahead of time, you know, what it takes to get out of the arrangement and make sure you're okay with that. And then I think, um, you know, then the last part is, you know, once you've got them, um, how uh, make sure that you have a strong plan and a strong commitment of how you're going to take care of this person. You know, how are you going to get them trained? Um, and then how just, you know, beyond that training, if they are in a remote situation, can you in really um, uh, kind of embrace them within the organization, uh, make them feel part of your your company, um, and then also how can you get them information when they need it quickly? Right. Um, so th those those are the things, and those are all things that um, certainly uh, there's nothing there that can't be overcome, and people do this every single day, and they do it very successfully, but the most successful um, and the easiest transitions are the ones where, where um, clients have thought through these things, um, you know, ahead of time. And I think, and you know, that's part of our role in this process, too, is depending on where they're going, um, that, that we've educated the client up front and say, okay, so you just, so you understand that this is, you know, here, these basic points, here's how this is going to work. And you take that surprise element out of it. Right, you help them become a better employer in those different remote markets, right? Yeah. Yeah, ho uh, ho I hope I hope so. You know that <laughs> that's that that's certainly the goal. Absolutely. Um, and we find in this 
you know, in the whole hiring process uh, that it, it usually goes pretty smoothly as long as nobody is surprised, you know, where you get into trouble um, on both the candidate and the client side is when you get down the road and then surprises start um, popping up and nobody likes that. Right. No, don't we all? We never, we never want that. Bill, thank you so very much for joining us. Great advice. And it was a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Globig podcast. And and listeners, um, thank you for, for joining us as well. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast channel and join Globig.co as a member for all of your international expansion marketplace resources, data privacy information, and lots of amazing experts around the world. Until next time, go global and go big.